Well, good morning, Arbor. All right, try that again one more time. We can do it. I believe in you this time. Good morning, Arbor. Woohoo, that's awesome. All right, well, good to see you, church. Guess what? Today we are going to talk church. Uh, more specifically, the desire would be to talk about this church. Uh, this series that we're going to do entitled Making Disciples is truly what I would call a, uh, a DNA series. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what fundamentally makes us Arbor and what's distinctive about us as a church. So truly, I want to talk a little bit of shop um, about who we are and what we're about. And the reason that we're doing this and the reason that it's as important is, I don't know if you knew this, but in two weeks— we will literally be celebrating our two-year-old birthday. We'll be two years old. Yeah, and one hand, it feels, man, it's been a long time. And on the other side, it's like, that is really fast. Two years have gone by. And so uh, for some of you, you were here in the beginning. And so uh, the majority of what we'll be talking about today will be um, uh, a reminder um, to a degree uh, with some new things as well. But if you are new, this is a great day to come uh, simply because you— get an idea of what you're signing up for, you know, what we're about as a church. Uh, my goal, hopefully, is to get us all on the same page, um, in the same boat, rowing the same uh, direction. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit under the hood. So if you're visiting and this is your first day, it is a great day to come because we truly get to look behind the curtain and see what this church is all about. And so if we're going to start anywhere, we've got to start in Matthew 28. And the reason we do that is that is, as a church, our fundamental, foundational passage, um, it's the last thing that Jesus said. It is the Great Commission, and here's what um, is said by Matthew, who was an eyewitness of Jesus and actually this event. And so he says this. He says, Jesus came to them, and them are actually the disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so Jesus is saying, in light of, in light of all the authority that's been given to me, in light of my death, um, you know, burial and resurrection, in light of the gospel, in light of all that I have taught you, he says, go. Therefore, go. And what's great about that word go in the Great Commission is that uh, the Greek actually refers to it as, as you're going. So it's not just like where you need to get to, but really we are, as we are going, we are to make disciples. That is our purpose. That's what's written on the wall outside of there. We decided that when we started this church, we didn't want to try to cleverly invent some sort of words or phrases around what our purpose will be. We thought we'd just stick with what Jesus said 2,000 years ago when he said, go and make disciples. So that's what we've done. Make disciples of all nations, which means that whatever we're doing, it's got to get out of these four walls baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. And there's a difference between teaching somebody about something and teaching somebody to obey something. And so Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then here's my favorite part of the Great Commission. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age for which... I am so, so, so thankful. That is the Great Commission. That is the mission of this church. It is a passage that 
I have heard spoke on hundreds of times, and some of you, you probably heard it hundreds of times as well. If you've been in church for any amount of time, it has been referenced, referred to, um, truly, I think hundreds and hundreds of times I've heard it. But today what I want to do is I want to drill down on that making disciples. And what does that really, really mean? And what does that mean for our church? And here's something that I am learning. I am learning that a phrase— can and often does mean different things to different people. Making disciples. I am learning that a same phrase, can and does, mean two different things to two different people. And so for an example, um, I heard this story. I don't know if it's true, but I really hope that it is. Um, it's a story of an English lady who was visiting Switzerland. And while she was there, she fell in love with the countryside. She wanted to stay. And so she basically reached out to a local pastor and said, hey, do you know of any rooms that are for rent or a place that I could stay in? And so the pastor, you know, took it above and beyond and actually drove her out and found a house with a room to rent out in the countryside. And they took a look at it and she was sold. She's like, I'm going to leave England and I'm going to be coming here. And so she decided to move. She went back to England to make preparations for um, her big move to Switzerland when it occurred to her that she didn't remember seeing a WC located anywhere in the house. Now, WC, if you didn't know, is short for the term water closet, which in England means toilet, right? And that's what it means. Well, she emailed the, the pastor. She thought, well, I got to ask him and asked him um, the location of the WC. Well, the pastor is from Switzerland. He had never heard of a WC, and so he Googled it to find out in an article. Um, he found an article entitled Wayside Chapels. And so the pastor, thinking that this English lady is asking the question of where, you know, asking about a country church that she can attend when she comes to her new home and comes back there to live, here is his reply. He says this. He says, Dear Madam, I look forward to your move. Regarding your question about the WC and its location, I have great news. The closed one is only three miles away from your room that you are renting. In fact, it sits in the center of a beautiful grove of pine trees. The WC holds up to 239 people and is only open on Sundays and Wednesdays. I suggest that you come Wednesday nights when there is an organ accompaniment. The acoustics in there are remarkable. Even the most delicate sounds are amplified throughout the WC. <laughs> Unfortunately, Sunday mornings are pretty crowded. The locals arrive early and many bring a lunch to make a day of it. Those who arrive late can usually squeeze in, but sometimes there's just standing room only. So it's best to get there really, really early. Uh, it may be of interest of you to know that my daughter was married at the WC. In fact, that's where she met her husband for the first time. It was a beautiful ceremony. I remember how hard it was to find a seat. Some people actually had to double up, but thank goodness our friends and family were happy to share. Because of my responsibilities in town, I am unable to go as often as I used to. In fact, I haven't been in well over a year. So naturally, it pains me. <laughs> To, to be able to not visit the WC regularly. When you arrive, let's make plans of going together for your first visit. I can reserve seats where we can be seen by all. I'm looking very forward to it. Sincerely, Pastor John. This, yes, John, exactly. The same phrase 
can and often does mean different things to different people. And it's the same, and I'm learning this when it comes to making disciples, that there are several interpretations to what that actually means. And so kind of the two basic ones that I've heard is one is this, is it's the evangelism perspective. That when somebody says, let's go and make disciples, they think that that is, all right, we're gonna go out and we're gonna evangelize. We're gonna share the gospel. We're gonna share the good news. We're gonna make converts. We're gonna do, it's gonna be about social justice. There's gonna be outreach. It is the boots to the ground. We're going to go find people who need to know about Jesus. That's one perspective I've heard when it comes to making disciples. Another one that people hear instinctively is they hear the idea of discipleship. And discipleship is, you know, it's God's word. We're going to study. We're going to do Bible studies. We're going to go deep. We're going to get a clear understanding. um, And it's going to be spiritual growth of becoming like Christ. And so there's that perspective, and there truly is a lot more in between, but most people, when I've heard the phrase making disciples, I honestly, I thought it was so clear because I thought we're going right there, and this is what I thought it was, and then I realized other people, when I said we're going here, they thought that meant here, and they thought that meant we're going this direction, and so to be honest with you, people have left the church, unfortunately, because of these mismatched expectations, right? When I said we're going this direction, they thought we were going that direction, and so it's confusing and and whatnot. And so um, I'll tell you what, it's okay, but this lesson has been very painful for me to learn personally. There's no way I can't do this and, 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 and be a part of this church without it being personal, but I own it. I own that miscommunication. It's my job, right, as a, as a senior pastor to bring clear communication. So it's my fault if something gets lost in translation, but I don't wanna do that anymore. So what I wanna do today is I wanna bring crystal clear clarity to the vision of this church. I wanna bring crystal clear clarity in the process of this series. We wanna, when you walk out of this, when this series is said and done, you'll know exactly what our church is about. And so let's start at the very beginning with making disciples and bringing a definition to what that actually means. And so here is our definition. So if you, when you see it on the wall over there, when I say it from the stage, if you get an email, this is what it means. Helping anyone and everyone to find and follow Jesus. It's both, right? Helping anyone and everyone we see to not only find, but to follow Jesus. Jesus. Now, I want to break that down a little bit. I want to spend some time talking about what does it mean to find and what does it mean to follow, but let's start at the latter. Let's start with follow, and here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to those who followed him, right, to those who believed, to those who trusted, to those who put his, their faith in him, and that's generally most of us in here. He said this. He said, if you abide in my word, If you meditate, if you study, if you devour my word, you are truly my disciples. In other words, a disciple is someone who abides in this, God's holy book. We don't just want to make disciples. We want to make disciples who not only love this thing, but they live it out. Because this book is the foundation of who we are. We actually believe, believe it or not, That this is actually the word of God, that God spoke to us and it got written down and it got put in here. And years ago, Jesus said some things and they're in red inside of here and we believe that's in here. And because of that, we put that as the foundation of what our church is. And every decision, trust me, every decision is held up to this, 
right? If we're going to make a choice, it's going to be in light of what this book or this library of books has to say, right? It is based upon this. We hold the Bible, God's word, in the highest, highest regard. And so, Looking back at the Great Commission, what does Jesus command us to do? He says, teaching them, those are the disciples, making disciples, to obey everything I commanded you. Now, I interpret everything to not just be the red letters that are written inside of here, but also what Jesus said and what Jesus did. So right, he, he said a lot of things. Those are in the red in here. But he also did a lot of things. So it's not just his words, it's his example. And it's also the Old Testament as well. And so I interpret that to mean in here everything that Jesus taught. And so we've got to know what's inside of here, right? What Jesus said and what Jesus did is not just important. It is vital to this church. It's absolutely vital. And then from there, Paul goes on. He says this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world or to the trends of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when we truly follow, when we truly study, when we truly dig into God's word, we are transformed. The word transforms us from the inside out. It does something to us. When we hold it close, it does something to us. It changes us from the inside out. For example, if you are a parent, right, do you remember the very first time you held your very first kid? It changed you like that, didn't it? Right? You held the baby, the, the nurse or the doctor or the, whoever put that baby, that slimy baby, right, into your hands and you held that baby for the very first time. It was magical, right? People told you, this will be special. This will be a big deal. And, and you heard it. You got the language. But when that baby was in your hand, when your son or your daughter was in your hand for the very first time, something snapped inside of you. Something switched, right? You held it close. You held that baby close. And then all of a sudden, it transformed you immediately. And your behavior changed immediately. You are now a parent. When we were driving home, literally, we hadn't even left the hospital yet. Paisley was born. My wife decided for the very first time, as we're going, here's a picture. Someone took pictures of it, that she wanted to ride in the back seat. So she said, I would like to, I want to be back with the baby. And so I said, that's okay. She went into the back seat. I thought it was kind of interesting because truly up to that point, we'd always ridden side by side. In fact, sometimes she was all the way over right next to me as my little honey, right? Now I'm alone and she's in the back with the baby. It changed her decision-making because of that. It changed my decision-making, guys, on the way I drove home. I have never driven at 10 and 2 in my life. <laughs> and here I am. I am defensive driver 101. I'm like, stop. I'm yelling at people. I mean, I actually think I got honked at, and I was super proud of that for going so slow. It's never happened again, but I'm telling you. Truly, it changes your behavior because when I held that baby close, when I held Paisley close, it did something to me. It transformed me from the inside out. It is the same thing 
When you get God's word in your life, when you hold on to this thing tight, it transforms you from the inside out. You're going to want to behave different, right? It's, you're going to want to. When you allow it to penetrate your exterior, your guard, when you allow it to penetrate that protective shell that we put up, we begin to live differently. And that, my friends, is what following Jesus is all about, Right? It's all about learning and knowing and obeying and growing and becoming and transforming. It is like a holistic approach to becoming like Jesus. And so when we say making disciples, that's what we are about. It is simply this. It is helping anyone and everyone to follow Jesus. That's half of it. Helping anyone and everyone to follow Jesus and to grow in their relationship with him. The other half of that is to find. And when you truly know Jesus, this transformation comes about naturally because you cannot help but share. Think again about your kids, right? And when you first had your kid, prior to that point, everybody would post their baby pictures all over social media, and you're just like, that's ridiculous. I mean, come on, I don't need to see another picture of your baby. And then you had kids, and you're like, oh my gosh, check out this picture, and this picture, and this picture, and this picture, because you had to show everybody. You had to find people, literally find people. I, my, my mom made a little, like, album that she carried around with her when we had grandkids, and she would show it to people, because she couldn't use social media at the time, right? And so she would just carry it around and like, look at my kids, find people to share with them. It's the same when it comes about Christ. When he impacts your life, you want to find people and you want to share. It transforms you. He transforms you from the inside out. It was the same in Jesus's day too. Check this out. Andrew, this is how he was affected. Look at him in first or John 1. It says the first thing Andrew did, so this is first thing after he met Jesus, was to find his brother Simon. This is Simon Peter. And told him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And I love that, that Andrew was the one who brought Peter to Jesus. The woman at the well, she told her whole town in John chapter four. It says then, so this is after she met Jesus, leaving her water jar, which is crazy because she's so excited about what she has to share and who she's going to go find that she leaves it there. And the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Disciples in Acts chapter five, it says this, it says day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. So they went and found people everywhere, anywhere that they could go. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You can almost sense, especially in the, in the New Testament, after they met Jesus in the early church, this sense of urgency that they have to find people and to tell them about Jesus. There was an urgency there. And we, as a church, we don't simply want to have in that urgency. We want to make disciples who have that sense of urgency to get out there and find people who need to know about the good news of Jesus. This summer, I got to go to Suncadia. We got to, had some friends let us stay at their place um, in Suncadia. It's a beautiful location if you've ever been there before. But they have these swimming pools, and it's perfect for our kids. 
And, uh, and one day when we were actually swimming there, um, my wife was on one side. She was taking care of Monty because he's, he's an infant. And, and, and I am swimming with the bigger kids. So there's Paisley and there's, and there's Percy. And, uh, and, and we just finished swimming. I'm all exhausted, but we know my wife needs, always needs the chlorine to be rinsed off of their bodies. That's a, that's a rule. So we went to the, like, the shower afterwards, right outside the pool. And my wife's way over there, um, sitting in the chair, taking care of Monty. And, and, and so I wash the kids off one by one. And, you know, and so Paisley gets rinsed off and then she walks over there and takes the long journey alongside the pool. And then I'm taking care of Percy. I take off his life jacket and then I rinse him off and then I hand him his life jacket and told him, go walk to mom. See mom right there? Go to mom. So he starts on his way and then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, peace. For one second, I have peace. And so I actually started to rinse off, but what's crazy in the timing was um, it was really hot. I have no idea why the temperature of that water was so hot. It caused me to shorten the amount of time that I would have stayed in there. And thank goodness it did because what I looked and I got done and I started to walk over there or just about ready to leave, I see that Paisley has made it to mom, but I don't see Percy. Percy, my wild child kid who's only like three years old, he decided that he wanted to walk halfway there he left his life jacket on the side and jumped in the water over his head. And so I'm looking and I don't see him there. And then I'm scaling down, I'm scanning down to try to figure out where he's at. And I see his life jacket on the side. And then I look in and then I see this kid going up and bobbing up and down. And I realize, oh my gosh, that's my kid. That is my kid. And so obviously, instinctively, as a parent, you are done. You are booking it. And I know they had signs in there that said you're not supposed to run next to the side of the pool. But I did not pay attention to those, obviously, as I sprinted as hard as I could. And there's a reason those signs are there, because when I went to jump out to reach him, um, I slipped full hard, like as hard as I could. And there's kids, Percy's over here, and there's kids playing right here. And I just barely missed them, just barely missed them. And I could tell that the parents were a little upset with me when I was getting out because I just about took out their kids. But my kid was on the, on the bottom of the pool at that point in time. Nobody was noticing. The lifeguard wasn't noticing. The other parents weren't noticing. The other kids weren't noticing. Nobody saw that my son was drowning right there in Suncadia. And so I reached down and I grabbed him and I pulled him up and he has his big, huge eyes, right? And I put him on the side. I'm asking him, okay, he's coughing. He literally just wants to go back in and swim. So I just, I don't get it. But the deal was, there was an urgency. The moment that I saw that my son was off track, the moment that I saw that he was drowning, and I'm telling you this, there is an urgency to reach people for the gospel. We don't have eternity right? We have a limited time, and people are spiritually drowning. They are on the edge of spiritual, they're already spiritually dead, but we can be, revive them by introducing them to Jesus. And so that urgency is so, so important. Disciples back then, they were compelled to share, compelled to tell. They were compelled to get out there and to help people find Jesus, so that he could give them life, is which exactly what Jesus does. And so when we say the words making disciples, it comes with that level of urgency. 
making disciples, helping anyone and everyone to find, urgently find, and follow, transformationally follow Jesus. That's what we're all about as a church. I hope that's clear. Really, I hope that's clear. I hope that we, I'm painting a picture and you can see that's the goal, that's the bullseye that we're shooting for. So let's talk how for a second. Let's talk practical. I love practical. How are we going to accomplish this purpose, our purpose, what we've been shooting for? And I'll, the best way that I could illustrate it is through this picture right here, um, found on um, unsplash.com. So I don't know why I said that. But right there, this is when we first started the church, this is actually an arbor. A lot of people know what an arbor is. It's, it's that, that structure that you have when you get married and it's right in the front and, and things can grow on it. But an arbor, the second definition is my favorite, is this. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a collection of trees that grow end together to create a pathway. And that's why we named the church Arbor. And so what we're trying to do, the pathway we're trying to get to is making disciples together. That's what our goal is. That's what we're trying to lead people to. And so that's the pathway that we're shooting for them to go. The way in which we're gonna do this, the practical how this is going to happen is through two ways, two pillars. One is Sundays. That's right here, right now, what we're doing in this moment. And the other is going to be through groups, or it is through groups. Those are the two ways. Those are the pillars or the pathways in which we will help make disciples and we will help um, doing that together. And so that is the process that we're shooting for. And so what I want to do is I'll break down that a little bit too. I want to talk a little bit about Sundays. So Sundays, what we're doing right now is for hope and encouragement and challenge and connection to God primarily. It's very vertical, right? This is where we come and we do business with God. We prepare, this is key, for the real mission, which is out there. The point of church is not this. It's not that we can come sit in rows and count numbers. That's not the point of church. We've said this from the beginning, and this is not changing. This is not a movie theater church where you come in and you get handed popcorn, except if you were here last week, we handed out Cracker Jacks, and that's the only time that that's happening. But we're not a, we're not a theater church. We've described Sundays as a gymnasium where you come in and you get trained for the real ministry that happens wherever you go. When you leave this place, at your work, at your school, at your home, wherever you go. And so that's what Sundays is about. Um, what we will be doing, the good news is this, is we will finally, some of you here have been from the beginning, we've been talking about this for two years and you've seen nothing happen in this way. We will be adding classes. And the reason that we can finally say that with um, authority now is we have been blessed and finally can announce that we have now purchased or are renting two additional rooms that are inside of this building. So God has blessed us to the place where one of those rooms will be the youth ministry that will be starting coming up here in, gosh, like less than a month, two weeks or something like that. And then the other one will be for classes that will simultaneously happen on Sunday mornings, training, assimilating us um, uh, into a, this, this making disciples, to being fully devoted disciples. And so I'm thrilled to, to tell you that, that that's actually happening um, and that's coming down. Some of you are like, I know I've heard about classes, Jake. But no, we're actually going to do it. And so it's really, really great to share. We're shooting for this fall, but don't hold me to it because Garrett's right here and he'll get mad at me if you do. Um, and so we're shooting for this fall. That's the goal um, in mind for um, Sunday morning classes. But that's one pillar is Sunday. The other pillar we need to spend a little more time talking about, and that's groups. 
And I'll admit that has been a little bit rocky, right? From a large, big picture perspective. Some of you may have gone into groups and you may have had the best experience ever, and that's because we have some of the best people ever inside of these groups. But we want that to be consistent across the board. And so um, if, we're, if I'm honest with you, in some areas of the church, like um, Sundays and children's ministry, definitely in some of the teams, we have been doing great. Um, and it's just, I feel like it's on a good pathway and we're doing well. In other areas, I think we struggle. Um, for a long time, we've said that the launch of this church, how it launched, was a positive. I'm not sure as I sit in this seat now that I'm sure it was as positive as we thought. Normally when you launch, you launch with about 30 people and maybe 50 people show up on your first Sunday. We launched with a core team of 233, I think, and then we launched on the first day with 500. It was a bang as it started off. Since that point, I feel like we have been kind of falling back and trying to take care of what just happened. And we were reacting a lot instead of proactively guiding and, and, and a small group growing together in the same DNA. So unfortunately, we're trying to just say the DNA and hope it goes that way, but that's not how it's born, right? How something really happens is when you get shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, and you're building it together. I feel like for the first time in the, literally two years since we started that we're starting to get our feet underneath us, and we're starting to lead a little bit more in the direction that we need to be going rather than just reacting to what the heck just happened. Um, it was great. I'm not going to complain. It's how God wanted to do it. But I, for the longest time, I almost wore it like a badge. Like, we started with 500. That was amazing. Now I'm like, crap, we started with 500. That was chaotic, you know? And so, truly, we're starting to get our feet out from under us. Now, when it comes to groups, this is one area I feel like we have swung and missed a couple times. And we've tried from a big picture perspective. We, when we started out, originally thought that they would be outreach-oriented or mission-oriented, that the groups would be the first place where someone were to meet someone new and then eventually bring them to church. What we have found is that just didn't happen. As much as we tried and preached and went that direction and tried to give leadership to that, it was not happening, right? It just, that was not coming. There was a few instances where that came together, but for the most part, it was not the case. And so we came together as a leadership team and we asked this question, what is God doing? Or in other words, what is God blessing? And then let's jump on board with that. And what God was blessing is Sunday mornings, I don't know if you've caught on to this, but there has been a lot of people that have showed up, new people that just seem to show up on a Sunday morning. And maybe you are some of those people. Maybe you are that person that I'm talking about. But people were naturally coming to Sundays, and we noticed this. And so the problem that we found is, was not people coming. The problem was people sticking. We have a, as we've said before internally, a connection problem. People connecting and sticking to the church. People come to the church because of a preacher or because of worship or because of children's ministry. They stick or stay at a church because of community. People stay because of community. And so what we want to do is we truly want to create groups that are sticky communities. Real ministry, friends, does not happen in a row on Sunday morning. Real ministry happens in a circle with a group of people that you are growing with and, and learning together um, as you disciple one another. It's an experience. We want you to experience transformational community. 
And so what we've done, it's not a major change, but it's a slight course correction. We wanted to make some intentional adjustments to groups because we're not gonna strike out, right? We're putting all our chips in this basket. We're swinging away still. And so the number one thing that we did is we asked Anna to be in charge of them. If you know who Anna is, Anna is the one who, like whatever she touches turns to gold. So she took on children's ministry and it has just been thriving under her leadership. She was doing that part-time to come on full-time and tackle this as well. And she's like, yes, I love a challenge. And so Anna has jumped on board to tackle groups as well. And for the last few months, she's been working behind the scenes to put this together. Um, We've hand-selected leaders and we've created a system to better shepherd and support those group leaders that Anna will be overseeing. And so our goal, again, is a slight shift in focus to creating community. um, And we're making these adjustments, but my ask of you is simply this, is simply to to join a group. Sunday mornings is half of what we do. Half of what we do. The other half, if you're not a part of a group, then we'll be missing out on this. Maybe you've tried groups, right, or you've struggled to connect at this place, and it's been difficult for you. This is what we're creating. We're trying to create groups to be able to do this. Maybe you've tried. I'm simply asking you to try again to try again, give it a second shot. Sometimes it just doesn't take, right? I don't know if you've ever gone to a therapist or anything of that nature, but if you go to a therapist, it really, like, you try one, ah, that didn't work, I'm gonna try a different therapist, and finally you find the right fit. Same thing with groups. Maybe you have no time, like us, sports, kids, works, things of that nature. Maybe you have a lot of time and you've exhausted Netflix already and you have nothing else to watch. Join a group. Maybe you're an introvert like me, truly, and, and, and the idea of going to a group with a small collection of people locked in a room scares you to death. That's great. Give it a shot, all right? I promise you it is worth the, the, the uncomfortableness that you go through. Like I said, we are all in on this, and so to be all in, here's what we've done. We've created these little descriptions about what the groups will be like, and on the other side, this is a chance on all of your chairs to be able to fill this out and to sign up for a group or um, uh, to get it so that we could help find the best group for you in the process that we're going through. And so... You don't have to turn these in right now. You can turn them in at the table out front. When you walked inside, Garrett and Anna will be back there um, collecting these things. You can just take it home. You can sign up online. But truly, what I, would, what I would ask is this, is that you would give it a shot. You'd give groups a shot. If you tried it once before, I'd say try it again. And if you haven't tried it, I'd say step out in faith and see what God does. I get it's uncomfortable. I'm just really saying it's worth it. It is so important. And so that is half That is groups, Sundays. That is how we are going to help anyone and everyone to find and follow Jesus. That's our purpose. So let me conclude with the very simple why, right? How is Sundays and and groups, but why are we gonna do this? The very simple answer to this, you guys, is life change. Most of us in here have experienced great life change through Jesus Christ. It is because of that life change that we do what we do. It's because of the life change that we are here, right? And we want to make a big impact for the kingdom of God. We truly do. I have said over and over again, 
I want to introduce as many people to heaven as I can possibly introduce to heaven. I am desperate for people to draw close to him. I am desperate to point people to Jesus. Truly. We all are nobodies who are seeking anybody and everybody to tell them about the somebody that's made all the difference in our life, and that is Jesus, right? And if you've experienced that change in him, then truly, I'd love it if you'd stack hands with us in this. That's our whole process, right? Our purpose is making disciples together. Making disciples is our purpose. Together is our preference. And so nobody wants to do this alone. My request would be that you would join us in this mission. This is what this church is going to be about. We don't have to be a mega church to have a mega impact. We truly do not. We simply need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. And we feel as a leadership team, not just as a staff, but as an advisory team and everybody on board feels this is the direction that we need to go. And so we're gonna go there with reckless abandon and just, I'd love to link arms with you and keep this thing moving and more people will come to Christ and more people will learn to follow him and more people will grow in their faith. And that's what it's all about, amen? Amen. amen. So let's pray. And we'll go from here.